0: if there's one thing that you've heard over and over again on Build Your Tribe, it's this, do what you do best, but then outsource or hire or consult or invest in other people who know what they do really well. But the same is true when it comes to growing your reach. If you need more eyeballs, if you need more people to know about that thing that you offer, that thing that you sell, that business that you are trying to grow, and you're trying to do that with social media, may I suggest the best deal on the internet? Yes. When it comes to Instagram, I wanna invite you to check out Insta Club Hub. Myself and my son, my co-host, Barack Johnson, we're the founders of Insta Club Hub, and it is rocking people's worlds. We have clients who've seen over 3,000% growth in their Instagram reach in less than seven days. We have people with under 1,000 followers reaching 4 million on a reel. We've had people who've increased their visits to their website by over 300% in less than five days. It's pretty amazing the difference that can be made by just doing a few simple tweaks. It's a monthly membership. It's an amazing community. We teach live. You know, you hear us all the time on the show, but wouldn't you like to hang out with us live? We're pretty fun together, I got to tell you. So I want to invite you to go check it out yourself. Go to instaclubhub.com and learn how easy and affordable it is to work with your host, Brock and Shaleen Johnson. All right, now let's get to today's topic.
1: Hey, what's up, and welcome back to today's episode of Build Your Tribe. In today's episode, I am interviewing Rachel Peterson, who calls herself the queen of social media, and I think that's a deserved title, as she is an expert in pretty much every single social media platform. She wants to empower businesses with social media strategies to support massive needle growth, and she teaches busy parents like herself, she is a mom, how to find freedom by becoming successful as social media managers. She is a powerhouse. She is an expert. I love following her on both Instagram and on TikTok. I recently listed her as one of my favorite Instagram experts. She is a wealth and abundance of knowledge. And not only that, she very much aligns with our beliefs here at Build Your Tribe. She puts family first. She practices what she preaches. She has boundaries around work, and she doesn't just glorify the workaholic hustle culture that's very predominant in entrepreneurship. In today's episode, we talk about how to hire help, when to know that you're ready, when should you hire help. We talked about how to price yourself, how to figure out what you should charge for different services or things that you offer. We're going to talk about getting ideas and creativity. And this is something that Rachel is amazing at because, like I said earlier, she posts on just about every single social media platform, whether it be TikTok or YouTube or podcast or Instagram, she is everywhere. Email writing, she is everywhere. There's a lot that goes into that. There's a lot of creativity. There's a lot of creative that she has to create. So we're going to talk about how to get ideas and how to stay inspired, how to produce a lot of content and How to manage all of that from a time perspective, from an energy perspective, making sure that she's still able to be the mom that she wants to be. She's able to put her family first. She's able to have boundaries and respect those boundaries and spend time with her family. I am so excited for you to get to hear this interview. So without further ado, let's listen in to our conversation. Hey, Rachel, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Very, very excited to have you on.
2: Brock, I'm so excited to be here. We're going to nerd
1: out. I'm excited. (laughs) Absolutely. So, you know, I know we were just talking off the air about how in alignment you are with a lot of what we talk about and believe here at Build Your Tribe, family first, not glorifying the hustle or the grind that is really so common and popular and easy to get sucked into in this kind of world of entrepreneurship. Can you tell me more about your own journey with this kind of hustle culture, your thoughts on it, and then kind of just the importance of family to you?
2: For sure. So, one thing that's important to note is that I definitely got sucked into the hustle culture. And a lot of people, I think, listening to this might relate to that, where that hustle culture pulls you in. And it makes you believe the only way to be successful is to grind 24 seven, like always be working. And there's this obsession with productivity and work. And I'm all for things that are more efficient. I'm all for things that help me to be more productive. But that being said, it can leave you just absolutely exhausted as you've probably seen so many entrepreneurs go through. Mm -hmm. And so for the longest time, I was listening to that mentality. And there were some people in my life, thankfully, like mentors who would say, Hey Rachel, you don't have to pull all-nighters. Like you don't have to work a hundred hours a week. There are different ways to build businesses. But I kept ignoring it. I will never say who, but there's a very popular social media entrepreneur and personality. And I remember one time being at a private event and he was speaking. And I asked, you know, how do you handle balancing family with your business? And he basically, well, he said Mm -hmm. uh, verbatim, "I don't see my family Monday through Friday." Mm -hmm. And here's the thing: like, I understand that that might be what him and his family have decided on, but I realized very quickly that that was not what I wanted. And I was pregnant at the time and I had been pulling all-nighters while I was pregnant because the work never seemed to end. And I was realizing this is not sustainable. I'm probably going to like die by the time I'm 40. This is so unhealthy. Mm -hmm. And so as soon as my son was born, which was my third kid, we really changed things up radically. And I I made a commitment to no longer pulling all-nighters. I decided I'm going to sleep. The amount of work that I can get done in each day that's going to be the limit. I can't do more than I can do, and everything changed, rock. It was huge for me,
1: yeah. Well, I mean, just from hearing you say that, I have a feeling that I know who it was who said that, but they can remain nameless <laughs> for this podcast. But you know, then how do you balance? How do you find that balance between work and family? Because you are still very successful in your business, and I'm sure you do still work hard, but how do you find that balance are there certain boundaries you have certain rules that maybe you could tell us about yeah. i'd love to learn some more about that
2: <laughs> i used to geek out on like things that keep you going working and now i'm like oh you've got to see these gorgeous boundaries that i <laughs> built and so one thing that's really interesting is i tested this myself i wanted to see what happened if i finally completed everything on my to do list what would happen and this is while i was still pregnant with dominic i got everything done and the next day, the list filled so big that I knew this is going to take me another couple of months to clear this list again.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so I tested it and I realized that a to-do list and priorities list, like that's never really meant to be done. There's supposed mm-hmm. to always be stuff that you're working towards. It's meant to be a work in progress. I think sometimes we have this idea, and this is a huge part of shifting the mentality in this list for me we have this idea that we can only show like the end results. And we forget that even cities and construction crews leave roads under construction. If you live in Minnesota, like I do all the time Mm -hmm. and we just get used to it because that's what we always see. It's okay to let people see the work in progress. Mm. The thing that's under construction, things don't have to be perfect or finished or excellent now. And so that was one thing that really helped me. The second big thing is we established this thing called a business by design. I don't think I like have a website or anything for that. It's just <laughs> the term that I gave to it, where basically before going to my business, we establish the start time, the end time, what evenings look like, what weekends look like. And then we actually time block for family. Wow. And cool. so every evening we time block. It's now six. It used to be 7 p.m., but 6 p.m., to 9pm is family time, no matter what we have dinner, and we all are off electronics. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sometimes my kids all want to hang out on electronics after a long day of school and homework and all that. And we all hang out together while watching funny videos on TV or Mm -hmm. watching a movie together. But I had to be super clear, like this is fam time. And weekends, this was the one thing that was super wild for me. And I think a lot of people will relate to this, The tagging never stops on weekends. Mm -hmm. People always want your attention. And because most people are believers of the hustle and the grind and don't have balance, they don't have their own business by design. They're going to pull you down to their standards if you don't say, nope, these are mine. And I understand that you work on the weekends, but I'm not even going to know that you tagged me until Monday. Mm -hmm. So you have to not only communicate your business by design, but then you also have to reinforce it. So those were some of the things that really helped me massively because otherwise, oh my gosh, Brock, it never ends.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I absolutely love that. And I absolutely agree. Sounds actually extremely similar to my own personal boundaries that I've set up with my fiance. We don't do anything after six weekends. We pretty much take those off as well. And we usually don't start our day until like 10 or at least nine in the mornings anyways, like to kind of have our mornings for our workouts and stuff like that. But With that being said, let's talk about the other side of that coin, which is that you are at least appearing to be very omnipresent. Like, you know, you have a big presence on TikTok with over three quarters of a million followers, 120,000 on IG, 80K subscribers on YouTube. So you seem to be showing up on all these different platforms. First of all, let's just talk about how do you split up your own energy and creativity? Are you, you know, 80% 80% TikTok, 20% IG. Is it a perfect split? Is it, you know, I'm all on Instagram, and then everything's repurposed? Can you tell me more about how you split up your social media usage?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we do a couple things a little differently. Now, I will say I am active on pretty much every social media platform with the exception of like Reddit. And I actually <laughs> don't do Clubhouse. I didn't enjoy the process and I, deleted it pretty quickly. I'm I'm with you. (laughs) Yeah. I just, it wasn't the place where I was like, Ooh, this is awesome. I kind of felt like tired every time I got on there. And I realized this is not a place that I want to be active. That being said, I don't recommend that most people try to be on every single social media platform. A good way to think about it is like, if you tried to be active at the level of, let's say, LeBron James and tried to be as fit as LeBron James and getting all your workouts in or Serena, right? Serena Williams. You would always fall a little short, right? Mm -hmm. Similarly, I've always explained to people like social media is my gym. Social media is my court. Like that's where I play because my job is to know and understand all social media. So just don't compare yourself to that for anyone listening. Like that's a huge thing. That being said, we repurpose very little content. So we create content natively almost for every single platform with a few exceptions. So we create anywhere from three to five Instagram posts per day on Monday through Friday. I have been trying to bump it up to test what happens if I do like six to 10. I want to see But this is because we're testing things and I'm in a season of sprinting based on some goals that I have. This is not every day. This is not a marathon, but three to five is pretty sustainable because we create most of our content in Canva, which makes it super easy to just pump out a bunch of content. The second thing that makes it really easy is that I create a ton of content on TikTok. Mm -hmm. And so TikTok is able to no matter what Instagram says, you can <laughs> remove the watermark from that TikTok content and repurpose it on several places. We repurpose my TikToks, at least some of them onto IG Reels, Triller, actually Triller barely, but kind of Snapchat, the star, I can't remember remember what it's called, the star stories thing. Yep. And we've reached hundreds of thousands of people that way, which is kind of cool. And then we're going to start testing YouTube shorts pretty soon here because I got it the availability to use it but i don't know how it's going to work yet. But i also record 5 to 7 youtube videos per week, 3 to 5 youtube videos per week, i write 3 to 5 emails per week, we put content in each of our group groups 3 to 5 times per week. Like everything is almost daily monday through friday and that's intentional. Now I will say, this is not forever. Mm -hmm. This is a very short season of our lives where I know that I have the bandwidth to do this. And while I do have one graphic designer who creates, I think, I want to say three graphics per week for me that are really beautiful. They're like art pieces. And then I have one person who helps me specifically with Instagram and with comments so my feelings don't get as hurt. (laughs) I create the majority of our own content, and that probably won't continue on much more than the next oh, max three years, but probably one year. And it takes me about two and a half hours of back-to-back content creation for two and a half hours straight each day.
1: Got it. Got it. Okay. Two Mm -hmm. things that I wanted to highlight that you just said that I Mm -hmm. absolutely love. One, seasons. Seasons in business, seasons in life. And like you said, right now you're in a season of sprinting. And so I want to encourage anyone who's listening, they might not be in a season of sprinting themselves. And so, you know, of course we always say, don't compare yourself to what you see other people doing on social media, but also you got to know, like, if Rachel's in a season of sprinting and you're not in a season of sprinting, you know, that comparison is going to be even more challenging and even more detrimental to your mental health. The second thing that I wanted to affirm that you just said was the idea of testing. And like you said earlier, you know the whole work in progress thing and under construction thing and it's never going to be perfect. A large part of that is testing. Like you said you just got the ability to do YouTube shorts and you don't know exactly how that's going to work yet. So I love I love that mentality. If you could advise cuz we we just talked about a lot of different social medias and some of our listeners might not even have a clue what thriller is or anything like that. If you could advise someone listening an ideal and maybe there isn't an ideal or a best place to start but where would that be? Is there a platform for you right now that you're like, you know, if I had to set one above the rest, it's this one.
2: Mm -hmm. This is interesting because there are a few platforms I love and there are a few where I'm like, Ooh, this is getting a little rough right here. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to go with two based on some qualifications I look at. I usually look to see if a platform can be particularly leveraged, meaning If I create one piece of content, can that content perform for me for a while so that I can go spend time with my babies and just relax? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is yes, then that's going to be a winning platform to me. And up until Reels came out, Instagram wouldn't have even been in the contending. That was absolutely a game changer for us as we've started to reach several Reels with millions of views. And that was, we didn't see that coming at all. Excluding that portion, I would have to say TikTok and YouTube and not necessarily in that order. Mm-hmm. What I love about YouTube is it's owned by Google. So it's actually a search engine. So mm-hmm. you can create very basic content. My content that performs isn't like the super deep stuff where I'm like, this is what to do when everything's falling apart. No, it's like, here's how to find the right hashtags. And then okay. like people search for that. They find it and then they get into the rabbit hole of my content. And I like that. For long-term growth, I want to be clear about that because, oh my goodness, YouTube doesn't budge. It takes forever. Like I've had a YouTube for six years, maybe even seven years, and I am at 82,000 subscribers and I'm still probably six to eight months away from crossing hundred thousand unless we hit a tipping point. So it's a good long-term consistent growth platform. And then I love TikTok. For mm-hmm. short-term burst of energy, just like the last ten days, I've grown by fifty thousand followers on TikTok. So there's you kind of can't argue with that. And so yeah. those are the two. But then I did not expect this. Suddenly Instagram came into the contending, like it's now a contender for a decent platform, which I'm really, really, really proud of Facebook for pulling through and adapting.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree. I love that dichotomy that that you described with YouTube versus Reels. I think that's awesome. How do you find ideas and stay creative? Because I mean, like you said, so much content almost daily with YouTube and TikTok and reels and emails. How do you find the creativity? How do you stay creative and find ideas and all that? So
2: I nerd out here hardcore and I want to be super honest about that. (laughs) So on Fridays, I give myself permission to create no content if I want, to take no calls if I want. Fridays are my blocked out day. And so if I want to go to Goodwill and thrift, I can. It's the only time I have for like (laughs) just me with no kids, no business, nothing besides mornings. And so sometimes I spend that time searching for data. And that sounds really nerdy, but I really mean this. I search for every single platform, what content is performing. And so I have on my desktop, folders and folders and folders of screenshots of content that has gone viral or been super engaged or showed up in the dashboard of YouTube or TikTok on the For You page for me. And I just take screenshot after screenshot after screenshot. And then on Fridays, I compile my own ideas based on those pieces of content. And I create these huge and massive content prompts sheets. And I have one for every single platform. They're gorgeous. They're so juicy, but they're only for me. And it's amazing because I just sit there and compile ideas. I'm going to share a couple more that are really fun too. And they actually have them open because I was just taking a peek today. So one is when you go to Yahoo and you look at the homepage for Yahoo, you can get ideas for content, for headlines, for topics. I love doing that. I'm obsessed with that. If your audience is a little more into like celebrity gossip, which some audiences are, like my audience loves when I break down celebrity gossip from mm. a marketing angle and explain mm. like, here's why this was marketing genius. I do that sometimes and it's very controversial, but it's fun too. You can go to dailymail.co.uk and that's a great way to find content that is doing well there. I also like to look at Influencer and just see like what their top content is. Even though it's smaller, I miss the back in the day of like Huffington Post. And I would usually check there for inspiration and for topics that are doing well. But then also, and this is a fun one, BuzzFeed is a great place to get ideas, whether it's a headline. And this is something to keep in mind. I heard recently that BuzzFeed tests between a hundred and a thousand different headlines for one single article because they have so much data. They want to obsessively test until they figure out what gets the most clicks. So you can learn from their headlines. It's like a masterclass every single time. But then also, if you click into the articles, you can find like one little idea that inspires you. Like I saw one that said trends from millennials childhood that we wish would come back. And I did a TikTok that I guarantee you is going to probably do really well. And it was, what is one trend that you wish would come back? And I was like, for me, it's butterfly clips. So I found one little piece within that article where I was like, ooh, this is going to perform well because people miss butterfly clips. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking for inspiration everywhere I go.
1: Love that. I absolutely love that. Earlier, you said, you kept saying the word we, you know, we are producing this content, we're doing this. And then even before we started this interview today, you quickly texted your assistant. So you have a team and you have staff. Mm -hmm. Let's go back to square one. When did you first hire someone? And what was that like?
2: Ooh, so I first hired someone while I was still in my nine to five. In my nine to five, this was like a very short-lived job before I quickly jumped into this full time. I somehow got a job as a director of marketing, but I I still don't understand how I got the job, but it was okay. And because I was well-paid in that role, they were such a gracious company and super, just a wonderful place. I knew that I was going to need help building both things at the same time working full-time in my job, and then also building something on the side. I also never left my nine-to-five until I had replaced my income. So I was making sure to build this business on the side. So I hired a VA to manage emails during the day while I was working. And I hired her for just a few hours each day. And that was awesome because then I could keep both things going. So I started pretty early with the team. This is really interesting, but I really, really, really believe that business is meant to be fun. Not to be confused with it's always going to be easy or Mm. it's always going to be fun, but I love to outsource things that I hate doing. Mm. Yeah. So if I hated research, I would hire someone to do research. You can't hire someone to do burpees, but I hate those. (laughs) (laughs) I hate doing laundry. I'm just not good at it. I always make our socks pink. And so I hired someone to do our laundry very early on. I listened to that advice very early on of like hiring some help and outsourcing things. And I'm always looking for ways to make myself more leveraged now. And I take it really seriously, but we do have a pretty rock solid team. And I say we a lot only because I'm like, I am not self-made. Like I have an amazing team that keeps everything running.
1: I love that. When you hired that first virtual assistant to manage your emails, Did you know wholeheartedly that you were ready? You were like, this is something I need. I'm ready for this. Or was it like, oh gosh, I I guess I should do this. How did you feel?
2: Oh, I was so insecure, not confident, not great as a leader, not sure if I was making the right decision. I mean, I think I like messaged her twice a week saying, do you like me? Like it was (laughs) so, uh, I had a long ways to go in growth. And I kind of think about like the journey of parenting you know, I accidentally became a mom at 21. And I remember when I brought my daughter home from the hospital, I felt like this teenager babysitting, trying to pretend like I was a mom. And I was like, oh, sweetie, huh, sweetie. And I felt so awkward. And then I learned over time that you grow confident in the pet names, the language, the way that you speak, the way you carry yourself, the way you hold a baby. And it becomes very evident, oh, this person is. And the same thing was true in business. Today, I can show up with my team, full face makeup, no makeup. I can ask them for anything. I know how to ask for help. I know how to communicate, but I had no idea. Gosh,
1: love that. One thing that I noticed in looking at your website and looking at like the links in your bios is you have so many free resources. And I'm sure a large part of that is email collection. Can you briefly talk about how important the email list is for you? Because I know we spent a lot of time talking about social media and growing large followings on social. But what are your thoughts around email list building and just the importance of it? Or or is it something that even matters at all?
2: Oh my gosh. So email list building is business building 101. And I say this because you hear people talk about it here and there and you're like, oh, but that's probably not applicable to me. Back in 2018, I lost my Instagram and it disappeared completely. Backstory, I'd hired a growth hacker who was like, Posting all of these copywritten images without getting credit and stuff. But my fault, I was pregnant. It was while I was in the hospital delivering Mm -hmm. baby number three that I found out your Instagram got shut down. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so stressful. And I was so grateful for my email list during that time, even though it was small. But that reminded me always be building your list. Like every single day, if there's three things that you do each day, one of those three should absolutely be build your list. I'm Hmm. obsessed with building my list. I think we have 54 freebies and about 12 where I'm like, these are so good.
1: (laughs) Wow. That's powerful. One of those that I found that I stumbled across was a pricing guide. And I know that a lot of build your tribe listeners are social media managers for other people's businesses. And this pricing guide was specifically for social media managers. So just, you know, some basic advice, what advice could you give us that's maybe from that guide for a social media manager in terms of pricing?
2: So this is a really interesting methodology. I used to be a hairstylist and when I go see my hairstylist, my hairstylist currently is a master. You're like, wait, why is she talking about hair? I don't worry. There's a a parallel here. So my master hairstylist, he takes hours to do my hair. I'm talking four or five hours and a lot of hairstylists would be like, that's way too much time. Like, How in the world is that ever going to make sense? But then when I go to see my stylist, sometimes the bill is like between $400 and $600. He charges accordingly. And that's because he wants to do it right. Mm -hmm. So there are two different ways that you can be a freelancer. And one is to like pump things out, rush things, put out like one half butted post per day, like not actually using the strategies that grow. And you're going to pump through clients faster, meaning clients are going to leave you. And you're going to always be like, dang it, like I'm always looking for clients. Or you can take it the other way, which by the way, I stay with my stylist and will stay with him Mm -hmm. forever because he does it right every single time. Or you can say like, listen, I'm going to listen to Brock's strategies. I'm going to listen to Rachel's strategies. I'm going to listen to these people who say how to do it right and do it really well but you have to charge accordingly. You can't come in at 50 bucks and spend five hours or else you're making less than minimum wage.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. Rachel, thank you so much for being here today. I noticed, I know that podcast listeners might not be able to see this, but we each have a bookshelf behind us and both of our bookshelves are color coordinated. I can see yours is in rainbow order. Mine's the exact same way. And I know you also have a free book club that you're doing right now. Can you tell me a little bit more about that?
2: For sure. I love my book club so much. I love reading. It's one of my favorite things to do. Back in the day, I used to read books just from Goodwill for like 15 or 25 cents. And today I host a book club every single month. We read Nonfiction that helps us grow in skill sets, in confidence, in mindset, in encouragement. Like, there's so many good things a part of this book club. Last month we read What I Know for Sure by Oprah Winfrey. This month we are reading Jamie Kern Lima's book, Believe It, which is about how she built a billion dollar business from the ground up. It's so great. So, we have 45 men and women reading this book, and everyone is welcome to join us totally free.
1: Love that. We'll definitely put the link in the show notes down below. But Rachel, thank you so much for being here today. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you for all of the wisdom. You are awesome.
2: Rock. Thanks for having me.